Kristen whispers sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat. Hello and welcome to Kristen whispers sonnets. It's Kristen Garth, and I hope you're in bed right now, because it's late, and that's where we should be. I'm in bed, because I record each night in bed our sonnets before we sleep. And tonight, they're a little bit scary, so I hope you have something to snuggle. And, um, I have a unicorn here I always, um... (laughs) snuggle up with at night so um I don't know what you guys have but maybe you can tell me on twitter <laughs> at Lola and Jolie and um I'm going to read tonight from Crow Carriage because like last time as I told you I always um if I say something on the show and mention something I'm gonna go with it for next week and I mentioned Crow Carriage last week and that's a horror book that I'm writing and it's so much fun and it's all set back in the 1800s in Victorian England and it's a story about an evil nobleman who lives in a village well, close to a village. He goes into the village a lot in his crow carriage, hence the title. And while he's there, he is conducting an experiment that has to do, and the book, you know, I have to leave some spoilers, you know, for the book, but there are reasons, as any villain has reasons for what they do. It doesn't justify what they do, and he is definitely a very bad man. (laughs) And, um, Anyway, he's he goes into the village to procure what he needs for his experiment, which in the story is young women of the village. And he is conducting an experiment that all I will say involves nightmares and um, blood drawing and cortisol. And there's a scientific reason behind it, but it's pretty terrible, all of it. So um, it's a book about terrible people. You know, and sometimes I do watch terrible stories or scary stories before I go to bed. But if you're alone by yourself, um, hug your teddy bear. <laughs> and I will be reading some scary stuff, so just be prepared. It's, it's fun. It's um, verse, you know, sonnets. And in the book, it's actually sonnets plus prose that explains a lot more of the details of the story and footnotes which was the same system that I used to do another novella called Flutter, which I love. And it had sonnets and then a footnote that that told the bulk of the novel. Well, this is actually a a novel length. It's going to, right now, looking at 200 pages, but it's still growing. So it's quite a um, detailed story. And I really enjoy being able to do that with poetry and prose, but I'm going to start off reading the first of four Crow Carriage sonnets tonight, and it's the title sonnet, and it tells a little bit of the backstory of what the people of the village think of this nobleman. They don't know what he's up to, but they know it's not good because of this story that's told in Crow Carriage. 
Once upon wet cobblestone, exploded oak and child alone, luminosity of lightning storm, surround a carriage, crow plumes, cuneiform of confectionery, across its dripping door, behind you see, between top hat, cravat, blush warm cheek, while you will shiver, in the street, you seek regal beak to touch sculpture decomposed. Avian driver beckons not within, but toward some debris of broken tree that block their passage. You and he labor, then they drive away, steal one feather for the pence unpaid. Passenger turns stares you down all fear crow carriage once your corpse is found and so this poem um tells a story of a little boy who tried to help or well he did help with the crow carriage but he was also curious and he didn't get paid for what he did for the um rich nobleman which was you know move help move some a branch that was in their way out of the street and um you know it's he had some um resentment about that and he decided to take a souvenir off of this very decadent carriage that is the title of the story because it's covered in feathers it has a um crow skeleton on on it so it's both terrifying and and very lavish and ornate and something that the townspeople aren't used to seeing so um he decides to take a feather from the carriage and almost as if the man inside could feel it himself a feather being plucked from his body um the boy you know though he takes it later in this you know we find out in the poem that he has um been murdered and we don't know you know it's 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 not drawn out of you know who murdered him he was he was found drowned but at the same time um knowing the character of the doctor who is the evil villain in crow carriage and he's the darkest person i've ever written and i really enjoy it but um knowing his character it would be very likely that he um one you know since that that feather being taken and sought some justice or what he thought was justice obviously was a terrible crime so Anyway, now that we've established who the doctor is, we have to establish another character in Crow Carriage, and that character's name is the Mistress of Malice, and she is quite a character. She's young, she's been through a terrible ordeal in her life, and that's what the first poem I'm going to read you about is about her early life, and not everyone who goes through um, abuse or, um, you know, any kind of mistreatment in their life, they don't always deal with it well, especially when they're young. I mean, maybe they'll turn and become a different kind of person, but when we meet the Mistress of Malice in the story, or when the doctor does, she's a very dark person, even though she's a young person. But then when we find out some of her story, you can understand 
why she is like this. And although, you know, it's everyone's choice to be dark or light. And, and eventually, in this book, this is a character that has a tremendous arc that I never expected when I started writing. Because I'm not a person that writes and um, plots things out before I write them. I start writing and let the characters overtake me and go on the journey they're meant to go on. So she, this character really surprised me. I thought she was going to be very flat and evil like the doctor but she actually had um has a quite an arc but this is how her story starts and it's a very terrible story about her father who ended up um later in the book you'll find out hangs for what he does in this poem which is called whole and and because he hangs she is then a ward you know to other guardians and it makes her life very difficult but this is poem just tells the very beginnings of her life. Whole, labored a summer, digging a pond, begun in better times before fortune absconds, with family, lush bladed lawn, a season ago. You dug a hole when you didn't know the sounds it would harbor, abandon, despair. No water, ill wish, just cascading red hair of a neighbor you never noticed before. You dug this hole and forgot what it was for. You tore down fences, hedges, all boundaries. Swear you bear no blame, hostilities. Toward the howler who fell, you weren't even there. Trespassed your yard, pit of despair. Not hard to tell yourself, didn't want this at all. You dug a hole, she decided to fall. So, the mistress of malice, her father, um, comes, a co comes on bad times, and the family does, and the mother leaves, and, uh, what he was digging in the hole in the yard a hole to be a um, pond that he was going to have in his yard becomes just a pit that um, a neighbor wanders in and or at least that's how he tells himself though he removed any kind of boundary to that hole and, and probably invited this this accident to happen and then he kept this person captive inside of the hole in his yard and until he was um his, well, I won't say how it happens, but someone reports him and he is, um, hanged for what he did because the person died. And so then the mistress of malice is left to go to live with her richer relatives, which sounds wonderful because she had been in squalor. Um, her father hadn't cared about taking care of them. He was only concerned about his prisoner at the time. So, in theory, it's a nicer um, ending for her, you know, that she's going to go live with rich relatives. But unfortunately, as the rich relative is her brother's, her dad's brother, he, off, he though he is more successful than her father, he seems to share the same sadistic kind of gene. And in a way, she is the girl who falls into his hole and his rich house he she comes to live in a bedroom there and they treat her like a servant and abusive things happen to her from the father 
just the way she had witnessed in her home. And so, you know, she's in a nightmare situation. So given all that, I'm going to read a third poem in which you we meet her in her degraded, evil state where she doesn't care about anyone else and, you know, she wants to do anything to improve her lot in life at this point. And she is a very dark, negative person and willing to be an accomplice to terrible things. And one night she runs into the crow carriage who's looking for a girl just like her to um, include in his experiment, except for some reason, the doctor maybe perhaps recognizes a evil accomplice in the making and is it kind of enchanted or taken with her in a different way than he is, you know, expecting to just use her for his experiment. He decides he's going to mentor her and help her. And I'm going to read you the, um, the Mistress of Malice. Then I'll say a few more words. <laughs> Mistress of Malice. Ten miles upon a tufted seat. Elm trees to village path discreet. A beast will ride to seaside town, one hooded straggler by him found. Too young this hour to be outside, indecent bodice, brown eyes wide, fingers pearl feathers of his crow carriage, as if it fairies death disguised as marriage. Her savage brain, his baron's clothes, Rides with him to the waterfront, a hiss of snakes above cold sea. She tells him what she wants to be, mistress of malice, ostrich, feather, caped, a bleeding ruby, murdered family. He leaves her atop a cliff when warm light ascends. He will come tomorrow for her friends. So she has struck a, a terrible bargain with a um, doctor um, because she wants to be rid of her evil family. And quickly in this conversation between the two of them, she realizes, you know, what a terrible person he is. And he knows about things like murder and all all she knows as a powerless female to be rid of the situation she's in is to commit a violent act. And so she um, decides to put it all out on the table and tell him, you know, she will provide him what he wants, which is girls like her, if he will help her kill her um, abusive relatives. And they make a terrible bargain. <laughs> and for a while, that bargain works for her. Although, you know, by the time that she reaches, she she will go on to follow through with his plans and come to stay with the doctor. But once she gets there and she has to live in a house where she hears girls having nightmares screaming in a, in a floor that she's not even allowed to go on because you know, the ideas in her mind of what must be going on in there are so terrible, but that's the one role he tells her, you may never go to the second floor where his laboratory, which is what he calls where the um, subjects sleep, 
Um, that's you, you can never go there. And this is a poem about the subjects written from their point of view. And, and you must know they are all drugged on laudanum. He um, gives them in teacups of pink colored um, because it's um, the laudanum colors the milk um, that keeps them in a dream, you know, drugged dream light state. And so they can, you know, produce nightmares for him, which produce cortisol, which is what he ultimately needs. But here is these we keep. This is where we close our eyes and listen to lewd lullabies collected in a desiccating book, illegible when we chance a look. Midnight just yesterday, crow carriage takes two more away, velvet ribbon and the one who prayed or schemed while we would muffle screams. Those who forget their place inside the indelicate dreams, mandated with a glass of milk. Some run from lions, bare feet beat silk, shrieking when the nightmare ends, and to the palm of one of the remaining friends. This church wherein we wake requires its congregation creep. For there are devils worse than these we keep. So <laughs> the girls, um, once she, once the mistress of malice lives in the house, listening to these girls that she can never see and her imagination, even taking her farther, what must be happening to them for them to be so um, vocal and screaming and, she finally, she has one rule, and it's to not go up there and interfere with the experiment in any way. But at this point, I think her actual internal, deep down goodness takes over, and she needs to know what it is she is an accomplice to. And even though she knows, you know, like she's probably dealing with the worst man she's ever dealt with, and she's dealt with a lot of bad men, um, she just has to risk it and she has to go up there. So when she does, she of course gets caught and, um, and the doctor, his, uh, sends her down to the basement. He at first decides, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. You know, he, he's a scientist and, and as much as she is a young girl, he could use, he doesn't want to corrupt his experiment in any way. So it's too risky to him to have her go, you know, do anything like where she, where she could cause more damage than she may have already done just by doing what she did. So he takes her to the basement and this is the last poem. This is where you disappear. This is where the girl plays dead. Let's thoughts tumble from limp, thrown back head, which peers wrong side up forbidden flights, carried caught in coffin night. His footsteps in her ears descend. She fears too many stairs, a place she has not been. Goosebumps on shuttered skin. Temperature declining quick as he does chase from light, the miasma echoed waste. Grim squeaks, minute feet, compound sounds of a captivated heart. Sleeping seraphim upon a mattress in the dark, he lays and brushes tendrils from a trembling ear, so you hear. 
this is where you disappear. So, <laughs> that point of the book, you know, we're left at a, a lot of suspense, and that's a scary place to leave you guys, here in our own beds in the dark. And this is a scary episode of Kristen Whisper Sonnets, but sometimes life is scary. So hug that teddy bear, and I'm going to be back next week. I don't know what I'll be reading. I didn't mention anything, so it'll be a surprise. But I'm really excited for you guys to read The Whole Crow Carriage, and you can read some more about it on my website, kristengarth.com. And thank you for listening to Kristen Whispers Sonnets. I hope you have a great, great sleep. And good night. Kristen whispers sonnets. Join me for a sonnet bedtime treat.